Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, the last time we were together, we looked at Jesus as the incarnate word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word, the transformative word, the creative word. And that word became flesh and lived among us, full of grace and truth. And once Jesus fully understands as being fully human and fully divine, fully understanding his identity and his mission, he and the disciples head directly to Jerusalem and the cross. Now today, I'd like to turn over to Mark chapter 11, the triumphal entry. Jesus and his disciples entering Jerusalem right prior to Passover, A.D. 32. So Mark 11, beginning at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. So clearly Jesus has arranged for this animal to be there. And I would bet pretty much anything that the animal belonged to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and was tied to their front gate. They lived in Bethany, about a quarter of a mile from the top of the Mount of Olives. Well, they went and they found the colt outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And when they had brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! Luke adds that they said, Blessed is the king who comes! That was a dangerous thing to say in this time and place. Well, Jesus entered Jerusalem, and he went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So he would have gone to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, where Jesus and the disciples would typically stay when they visited Jerusalem. Now, the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat from you again. His disciples heard him say it. Now on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, 
Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this, and they began looking for a way to kill him. They feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. So when evening came, they went out of the city, back from the temple area, up past the Mount of uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, up to the top of the Mount of Olives, and then down the other side a quarter of a mile to Bethany. But in the morning, as they went along, going back to Jerusalem, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered, and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, the Mount of Olives, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whoever you ask for, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Well, this is a puzzling section of the gospel according to Mark. Jesus and the fig tree. Now, when I teach Mark, the question invariably arises when we reach Mark 11, 12 through 14, why does Jesus curse the fig tree? After all, we're told that it was not the season for figs. So why would Jesus be so offended at not finding any? This episode presents a really difficult problem in Mark, and we can only solve it if we read the narrative in its full context and examine its language, grammar, and syntax very closely. Now, on Monday, we talked about the word. Now we're getting down into the weeds. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, the week before his crucifixion, he arrives at the temple. But it's late. He leaves the city for Bethany, a village on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, about a quarter of a mile down, toward, down the Mount of Olives toward Jericho, where he stays the night with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The next morning, he and his disciples walk back to Jerusalem, so back up the hill. And on the way, we're told Jesus is hungry. And, again, Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Importantly, it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, rather unreasonably perhaps, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, he enters the temple area, drives out the merchants and the money changers, and says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You've made it a den of robbers. And then that evening, Jesus returns to Bethany, to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The next morning, as we saw in our story, he and his disciples head back to Jerusalem. 
and on the way they see the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter is shocked. Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you curse is withered. Now, in Jerusalem, as in Southern California, we're on the same latitude, fig trees leaf as early as March, and they can reach full leaf within a week. They don't bear fruit, however, until June. And these are early figs that grow on the old wood. Summer figs ripen in August to October. Since our story takes place at Passover, Jesus certainly could not expect to find figs on the tree. But he could expect to find small, olive-sized buds that are edible. They're a bit bitter, but they're edible. A close look at the language, grammar, and syntax of Mark 11, verse 13 supports this position. If we look at the, at the sentence word for word and emphasize the Greek syntax, we'll see what's going on. Let me read it emphasizing, literally. And having seen a fig tree from a distance, having leaves, he came to see if then something he might find on it. And having come upon it, nothing he found except leaves, for the season was not of figs. Now, in Greek grammar, having seen is an aorist participle, which expresses a simple action which is prior to the action of the main verb, he came to see. From a distance, is an adverbial phrase which modifies having seen. And having leaves is a participle functioning as an adjective in the predicate position. Aren't you awed by my grammar? <laughs> but it's important. In other words, as Jesus and his disciples walk from Bethany toward Jerusalem, the fig tree in the distance catches Jesus' attention because it's in leaf. So he moves toward it to have a look. The grammar of the sentence precisely defines the sequence of events. Now the reason Jesus moves toward the tree is to see if then something he might find on it. In English, the syntax of the phrase is clumsy, but in Greek it's very precise and informative. The verb, he might find, is a future indicative, which makes an assertion of fact projected into the future. Preceded by if-then, the phrase stresses the realism of Jesus' hope. Mark's use of something, rather than figs, for what Jesus hopes to find, fits the circumstances of the story exactly. Indeed, placing something in the forward position something he might find, emphasizes the fact that Jesus did not expect to find mature fruit, but he did expect to find something. Now, when he arrives at the tree, however, Jesus finds nothing but leaves. 
having come, is another aorist participle, parallel to the first, which again expresses a simple action prior to the action of the main verb, he found. Placing nothing in the forward position and separating it from except leaves stresses the barrenness of the tree and the disappointment that Jesus feels. This last phrase, for the season was not of figs, explains why Jesus went to find something rather than figs, not why he found nothing but leaves. In other words, having seen in the distance a tree in leaf, Jesus came to find something on it. He didn't expect to find figs. It was not the season for figs. Instead of buds, which he would expect to find, he found nothing. Mark moves the phrase, nothing he found except leaves, ahead of, for the season was not of figs, in order to emphasize Jesus' surprise and disappointment at finding nothing instead of something on the tree. This stylistic device is very effective in the Greek. It also occurs in Mark chapter 12, verse 12, and chapter 16, verse 4. It's very deliberate on Mark's part. And it sets up the reader for the curse that comes in verse 14. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Literally, the curse reads, No longer into the age from you no one fruit may eat. In English, the syntax is once again very clumsy, but the Greek, as before, is very precise. No longer into the age, or better, no longer forever, emphasizes the strength of the curse. From you directs it specifically and pointedly at the tree. No one makes the curse absolute, linking it to verse 13 by a play on words. Verse 13, nothing, and verse 14, no one. And fruit may eat deepens the strength of the curse even more. Jesus expects the tree to have buds. This is a reasonable expectation since the tree is in leaf and it's not yet the season for figs. But the tree does not have buds. All right, may it never have fruit either. So familiarity with the botany of Jerusalem on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, along with a careful examination of the language, the grammar and syntax of the sentence, corrects the, mistake, uh, the mistaken notion that Jesus unreasonably curses the fig tree for not bearing figs even though it's not the season for figs. A reader of Greek, who is familiar with fig trees, as anyone living in the Mediterranean during the time of Jesus would be, would not make such a mistake. Yet, to understand the story fully, we have to press beyond the fig tree and read the narrative in its full context. The cursing of the fig tree frames the story of Jesus driving out the merchants and the money changers from the temple. The cursing of the fig tree illuminates the central story of Jesus cleansing the temple.
Now, the temple, as we know, had been a center of worship in Israel for a thousand years. God gave sacrificial worship to the Israelites in 1446 B.C. when the Israelites constructed the tabernacle in the wilderness and received instructions from God on how to use it. In 958 B.C., the temple replaced the tabernacle as the focus of worship, and the sacrifices continued uninterrupted except during the Babylonian captivity for a brief, and for a brief period during the Maccabean Revolt right up through the time of Jesus. So when Jesus comes to the temple in AD 32, he does not expect to find the full fruits of a thousand years of worship, but he does expect to find something. What he finds, however, is an elaborate set of empty rituals. He finds, in effect, a tree in full leaf without even the beginnings of fruit. In some of the strongest words of Scripture, Jesus says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus is outraged at how God's house has become a center of commerce and how the trappings of religion have replaced faith in God. In anger, Jesus tears down the merchants' booths, overturns the tables, drives the merchants out of the temple. And Mark frames this event with the acted-out parable of Jesus cursing the fig tree. In the parable, the fig tree is the temple, a tree in full leaf. Jesus comes to it hungry, expecting to find something, but he finds absolutely nothing. Zero, zip, nada. His curse May no one ever eat fruit from you again has a dreadful effect. The next day, the fig tree stands dead in the ground, withered from the roots. Likewise, when Jesus clears the temple, it also has a dreadful effect. The temple withers from the roots. Within a generation after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the temple in A.D. 70 is burned to the ground, and to this day, it lies in ruins. When we travel to Jerusalem, and we go to the Temple Mount, and we walk across the Temple Mount, and around the southern steps and the western wall, we see, thanks to the archaeologists who did work there, we see the charred stones from the Temple still lying on the walk where they fell in A.D. 70. Jesus' words in Mark 11, verse 14, thus become prophetic. No longer forever from you, no one may eat fruit. The temple is gone. That is a very cool story. Thank you, guys. See you again on Friday. Blessings to you. Bye-bye.